All right. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Free Markets Green Earth. This is episode number 56. I'm Nikki P here, as always, with Ben the Liberty Hippie. How are you doing there, Ben? I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm alive. It's hot, as I'll get out, but, uh, you know. It's uh, hot, but you're wearing a hat. Yes, I'm wearing I'm wearing a hat. <laughs> Vanid, Vanid, vanity trumps your sense of, uh, you know, self-preservation? Uh, it's not so much for me. It's for everybody else. I, my, my hair is just like, you know, I haven't, I haven't uh, taken a shower after being outside all day and I probably should have, but I didn't have time and it is what it is. Ben, nothing is going to take the memory of your dreadlock skullet away from us, okay? We remember. You can put all the hats on you want to. <sighs> I know. I know. So we, uh, we have a guest here. I'm actually I'm really excited to have this guy on. Uh, I've been following his Twitter for a while and he He's, uh, he seems like a pretty solid dude, and uh, just his name alone really, really tweaks me out because it's just such a slap in the face to so many people, and I love that. Um, this is our guest today, Mr. Reed Coverdale, the naturalist capitalist, and all of our pe- people that may be off the left are sitting there going, oh, that's not possible. What is this blasphemy? <laughs> how does he not implode? So how are you doing there, Reed? Doing well. Thanks for having me on. On guys, why don't you uh, why don't you tell us the uh, how how that genesis comes about? Why are you not uh, exploding right now or turning into like a uh, just like a question mark of nature? <laughs> well, I should explain the name first and what it means. I'm not a naturalist by trade. It's more the uh, religious scientific meaning of the word. You know, I I really I really look for beauty in nature. I'm not a religious person. I uh, I think there I think religion I think. Uh, Spiritual things could exist, but I think, uh, you know, I really find solace in the mountains and being outside. Um, and I really care a lot about the environment and nature. But I'm also, this is going to trigger a lot of people, <laughs> I'm also economically literate and I uh, want solutions that will more naturally present themselves. And so I believe in capitalism. And that's actually tied into the name naturalist capitalist because uh i think if you have a capitalistic economy then it is more natural people will act more you know more sane and more cordial and more you know everything's just going to work better we're all naturally capitalists if we try to force communism or socialism or basically any other type of economic system on people those capitalistic tendencies that we all have those naturalistic survival of the fittest tendencies are still going to exist. It doesn't matter what type of system you push on people. So the mo- the least exploitable and most honest way to get everyone to cooperate is to make them compete against each other and try to come up with the best products, the best services. And I think everyone is better off that way than any other system that has been put forward so far. Well, I'm confused. You didn't say we need to pave over everything green and throw shopping malls everywhere. <laughs> yeah, it is. It is. It is tough. <laughs> um, but um, you know, if you look in nature, that's how nature works, right? Where it's not just humans that are that way. Everything is trying to better itself. You know, the trees are trying to outgrow each other. The you know the smaller underbrush is trying to grow up through the forest. It's just the natural way things work. So instead of pretending that we're all benevolent, perfect beings that are going to just 
help each other out. You know, we got to be honest. You got to have skin in the game to get people to care and to get them to be productive. And that kind of sucks. I mean, it would be nice if we were all just, you know, we could all live communally and not care about bettering ourselves more than each other. But I am, uh, I'm clear eyed and realistic about how people are, I guess, just like the rest of nature is. It's funny. Is that, that's one thing that like I always found peculiar about like the, the whole environmentalism and, and all of that. Like when, when you look at nature and, and you look at the, the plants, you look at the animals, when you look at the happenings of nature, it's a process. And, and even just like the stream, uh, you know, freezing and, and cracking and, and eroding like the mountain away, like that all happens. And it happens because the stream wants it to, because the stream needs to go that way because it's the easiest path. And like, it's, it's not all helping out necessarily. And maybe it is in some sort of, you know, weird way that this is what's meant to be. But, you know, that you can say that to the same as, as people, you know, we're all helping each other in the way that it's it's meant to be, whatever that means. But yeah, it's it's not, you know, this big kumbaya, let's all sit around and play the drums, you know, I mean, it's fun, but. I mean, it, and this is a big thing that they've got. Like, I, I recently just finished up Bjorn Lomberg's False Alarm and I won't say it necessarily got better. It was a, it was a, teeth gritting thing to get through like where he constantly just agrees with everything that we say about the environment for the most part but then somehow contradicts himself and says oh but you know it's all you have to but, have a but, state but we really need to care about this it's like you can tell me there's a problem but then you tell me all the mechanisms by which that problem would destroy the earth are not real so I, then i have to ask by what mechanism do i need to fear this thing neither here nor there um one of the things that you know he gets into <laughs> and uh schellenberger got into in you know, Apocalypse Never is uh, this anti-human thing. And and you and me, I'm, I'm excited to hear people talking about it now because you and me did an episode about a year ago, specifically on the philosophy that these people carry around. Everything is anti-human. They, they hate humanity. They look at us as basically nature is everything that's not us and not something that we produce. When you know, as, as Reed just said, we're following all of the same instincts that you know, a wolf does, the instincts that the river or the trees do. They're trying to reach their full potential. Now, humans' potential, because of how complex a being we are, maybe is wildly outsized compared to the rest of nature. But to look at us as something fundamentally not nature is also its own problem. It's funny, like, you, you look at that, right? And like, so either humanity evolved to the, to the point that it did where it had this brain and is able to capitalize on on things that the cricket is not able to, or, you know, some other being placed us in this role, you know? And so you, 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 no matter how you cut it, you know, like it's, it's, uh, it's there. What I think is weird is, uh, you know, a lot of, uh, religious people tend to be capitalistic or libertarian or, you know, conservative where a lot of people who don't believe in a higher power and in all other areas of their lives are very naturalistic. They're a lot more of them are communists or socialists or left-leaning. And that seems really backward to me, you know, because they, uh, they hate everything about the church dictating how you should live, you know, what you're supposed to drink, all these things. But then when it comes to personal life or finances, then, you know, they're exactly the same as the church to you. You need to give us yep. 10%. You need to, you know, it's like, wait. What's with that disconnect there? I don't get it both ways. You know, like I don't, I, I understand some Christians think they're supposed to be, you know, uh, the, the ideas of hard work and being 
fruitful and multiplying, you know, maybe they could tie that into capitalism or whatever. But I don't understand the atheistic left who really, (laughs) it it just, it doesn't make any sense. It's just completely illogical to me. Yeah, it seems to kind of latch on to the the same ideas that religion latch on to, but don't paint it as religion. It's almost like uh, politics has become religion. As the resident lefty, which I will tout myself as being, even though most lefties would probably call me a right-wing Nazi, (laughs) I still think of myself as a leftist because I still, you know, have all those social justice causes in my my wheelhouse. I just think that all of the mechanisms that they're trying to create the world they want by are going to inevitably inevitably not do that. They're going to, you know, cause blowback. They're going to cause backlash they're going to just plain old not work you know it is it is weird how how some of the ideology and i guess it's because you know here as a libertarians that we, we are we we have an ideology and we it's part of our ideology is just being as consistent as we can possibly be whereas the you know look at the the, the right wing conservative movement or the the hard left liberal they apparently do not bother themselves with consistency. It's not an important task, <laughs> an important uh, trait to have. Yeah. Well, so where do you find yourself on the spectrum, honestly? I'd assume some type of libertarian, but I, I don't know that I've ever heard you be explicit about it. Putting them on the spot, Jesus. Yeah, I'm definitely a libertarian. I, uh, I mean, I took the test and I end up like two-thirds of the way down the libertarian line and about a third of the way into the right spectrum that's usually where i land somewhere in there that's where most good people land yeah (laughs) it is um but you were just talking about like being a lefty yourself or whatever i i just had vermin supreme on my show and we were talking about this idea and he stood us up sadly (laughs) yeah (laughs) you guys got to get him on i I wanted to talk to him about nuclear really bad after I heard him on the Sherry Voluntary Show. And then, like, we set it up. In, in fairness, when we set it up was, like, back in March and COVID hit, like, uh, two weeks beforehand. So he probably wasn't the top of his things to be thinking about. Busy, busy times, busy times. But this is a booming podcast, man. Shoot. Yeah. But uh, but uh, I had him on and we were talking about the idea of being left or right libertarian. And we came to the conclusion it really doesn't matter if you're left or right, as long as you're libertarian first, you know, it's the idea of if you want to mm-hmm. use force to make other people comply with your right or left tendencies, that's what's wrong. If you have your own idea of what you want society to be, but you're not going to force other people to live that way, that's what makes you a libertarian versus a right winger or a leftist. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you're a commie that's going to respect those property lines that we agree on, then uh, go, 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 do your thing, man. Socialize all you want. I don't care. That's that's fine by me. I just don't anticipate <laughs> exactly, that yeah. happening. Right. I also don't fear them. <laughs> I don't fear them though either, because I mean, eventually they run out of food in the commune, and <laughs> yeah, what three days is the maximum amount of time it takes. <laughs> I, I I won't I won't deign to. Uh, to suggest, <sighs> I just uh, know that it, historically that is how it has ended up. <laughs> you know, it's funny. It's like even in the well, well, uh, well financed communes, it kind of tends to end up that way. Right. So now we, uh, when I initially talked to you, so why don't you tell us a little bit about what what you do? Like, other than a Twitter personality, you have a podcast yourself, and you, I, I'd, I asked you if you'd be interested in kind of mixing it up with us because I really want to grow our brand, and there's. We need to get more people of our ilk out there fighting the good fight for nature because I'm sorry, the lefties left is gonna 
destroy the planet trying Burn to do what down. they want to do. I personally would like to keep nature here. And if they don't, they'll kill humanity in the process. And that's also a pretty bad thing in my book. I, I like humanity. I'd like to see the, the little brown people uh, overseas flourish as opposed to, you know, <laughs> be permanently kept from cheap energy that will allow them to have a society like ours. Just horrible, horrible right wing stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I have the Twitter page and the YouTube channel mostly because I'm trying to bring these ideas to people who aren't already libertarians. That's kind of what my shtick is, because I feel like libertarian twitter and libertarian youtube is an <laughs> echo chamber of uh unregulated machine guns recreational heroin you know it's like okay yeah cool but most people don't care about that you know they care about the uh skyrocketing prices of health insurance and housing and uh you know they care about climate change they care about all these things that a lot of libertarians don't talk about so i try to go to those third rail subjects that a lot of libertarians don't and i've had I think like seven or eight libertarian candidates on my show so far. And I actually push them in those areas. I've, you know, I start asking them what they think about national parks and what they think about. Good luck trying to find a spot. Spike's not comfortable. And just for the record. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, he, he's probably coming on my show. I've got uh, in contact with his campaign manager. So I'm working on that. I want to get Spike on after the election. Like I want to talk to him you know, mid December, <laughs> mid November. That's when I want him. You know, when he can, when he can be yeah. real. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that's what I do online. What I do for work. I'm actually a truck driver. I move heavy equipment around, um, and I've worked. I've had my CDL since I was 18. We guessed by the mustache for the record. I assumed it was either truck driver or cop. <laughs> yeah, and if a cop didn't seem logical given your yeah, your, your no, not a cop. <laughs> Yeah, no. I actually almost went that way, though. I, I was going, I was headed that way in high school, and then I bailed out, luckily. And I almost went to the priesthood. Now I advocate orgies. No, no, you didn't. Oh, man. That is a lie. That is a lie. I'm calling it right now. Oh, really? You want to call up? it? <laughs> uh, no, I was going into the priesthood at 17. It was, I was, that was my plan after high school. And, and, then, I, and then I got my first blowjob, and uh, I thought that was okay. a terrible plan after that point. Okay. <laughs> but that was but prior to that, that was something I legitimately <laughs> planned on doing. Was very Catholic. Well, there's there's a question in there I'm not going to ask, but it was a really it wasn't even that good of a blowjob, probably. <laughs> I just I, I heard Catholic, I heard BJ, and I'm like, well, I don't know. Anyway, are you assuming it was I, a priest made me suck his dick? I, I'm not assuming anything. I'm not not assuming anything. I was never an altar boy. <laughs> so so Reed, what, is, what what were you saying? <laughs> I got I got sidetracked there a little bit. I don't remember anymore. Sorry, I'm real good at that. <laughs> No, it was, uh, but I've worked in uh, the transportation industry and the power delivery industry since I was 19, pretty much. Uh, I, I was, I was doing line work for like six or seven years and operating equipment. And so, you know, I had an inside look at how power was produced and how it was transmitted across the land, you know, like all the infrastructure that goes into building substations and power plants and power lines. And so I've always cared about nature a lot because uh, my dad always brought us backpacking a lot when we were kids. And so I, I always really cared about protecting it. Uh, and then when I was 21, I took a trip to all 50 states. Uh, I took like a year and a half off, lived out of my pickup truck. And I uh, went up to Alaska. And that was when I first started realizing how serious uh, 
you know, climate change was because you could see how the glaciers were really retreating at a rapid rate and they had mile posts for each year. So they had 1800 was like half a mile away from the glacier or something. And then uh, 1900 was only like 500 feet from 1800. <laughs> and then, you know, every decade it sped up and it got to the point where you know, by the time you were at the glacier, every year was like, I don't know, 40 feet or something, you know, and it's just accelerating and accelerating. So that really woke me up to that half because I'd always, I'd never really thought about it much growing up in New Hampshire. We didn't see the effects of it too much. And it always bothered me the war on science that the right had. But then I started to realize the left had its own war on science and its war on science is through solutions. <laughs> you know, the right kind of denies the problem. And then the left has these ridiculous ideas about how we can fix the problems. And, you know, to me, at least the ones that I've heard them talk about, none of them are really rooted in possibility or the scientific method. <laughs> so I, I just, uh, I, I, I want people who are sane to start caring about the environment because I think they'll provide real solutions. And if they don't, then, you know, the socialists are going to have a monopoly on that voting block. And people who even realize that some of their solutions are ridiculous, they're still going to go with them because it's better than bring back coal in their minds, you know? God, why would we go to coal when we have nuclear, frankly? But <laughs> that's a good question. But. <laughs> you know damn well why i think that's the craziest thing like so having read both of those books and stuff they really get into um schellenberger's big thing is density he's like why in the world would you trade up an environmentally dense power source for a less dense power source the fact of the matter is, is you can generate much more energy with nuclear and a much smaller footprint than you can with any of any anything else and the next best thing is your fossil fuels. And then, you know, eventually right. You right. Get, when you, you start getting to like prehistoric levels of energy density, when you start talking about at the very least the current state of uh, wind and solar, which is what they always want to go to. Um, the fact of the matter is, is like they take up huge right. tracts of land working at their best to come anywhere near. Like it, it's it's it, scientifically, it makes literally no sense. Uh, I'm actually interested because this is, we don't get people of our ilk on to ask questions like this and hopefully i'll get a sane answer um i'm not gonna say <laughs> i don't believe that uh global warming is happening because i mean obviously you can look out and see it is now the question is why is that inherently bad what by what mechanism is that bad well i'm not a scientist so i'm gonna say that up front but uh from what i've seen and the research i've done it seems the rate at which which it's warming up is much faster than it ever has been. And it's commensurate with industrialization. Okay. Now, right? plants and humans alike, in fact, most animals, really like warm weather. So why is that an inherently bad thing? These are the questions that I feel like I, we, we don't ever, people don't ever ask. We, when we're told that a warmer earth is bad, we're, we're just supposed to go, okay. Right. They'll tell you, oh, well, we'll lose all of our land to the oceans when sea level rise. Well, that's not happening. The rate at which it would happen, we can and make right. dikes and you know places like that. Like, oh wait, Holland that already lives under sea level. Like, there's plenty of ways to combat yeah. anything that would happen. And when you factor in that any solution they're going to give you is going to be very, very detrimental to poor people across the globe. You know, 
when they talk carbon dioxide, you're like, well, plants love carbon dioxide, and that's part of why we're greening so fast. Like, we're almost to a point where we're not deforesting, we're, like, we're reforesting at a rate almost exceeding it because the uh, level of CO2 and the increased temperature at the poles, which is another thing that I, I, I've been hearing a lot of through the the CO2 skeptical people. I, I've yet to hear anybody dispute it. I just tell them, say they're crazy, is that, well, of course you're going to get much more of a, a rise in temperature. But if you pay attention to where that rise is, basically it's at the poles are the places where we're getting all the heat. And it's not like we're going to all of a sudden be 200 degrees at the equator. Basically, we're going to be much more like the like the United States at the poles and maybe more like Florida, say, in, uh, you know, maybe a little bit higher in the U.S. Things like that would be what we'd actually have. It could be, you, you don't want too much Florida. Oh, I don't want any Florida, personally. I'll move I'll move up to fucking <laughs> the Arctic if I have to, personally. I mean, because even like when you're telling me, you can see like the acceleration of the glaciers melting and I'm kind of like, well, yeah, if, if the ice cube always melts more at the end because it's got less internal, you know, less, more kinetic energy outside than inside and surface area is going to change by the smaller it gets. So it's like invariably that would happen just based on simple scientific principles in my eyes. I'm not asking you, by the way, to be an expert on this. It was just, the thing is, I get so frustrated when we're not allowed to talk about like, okay, you say that it's going to end the world. Well, by what standard? What what world is it going to end? Like most shit that lives likes it to be warmer than cold. Cold is the thing that's killed more people than anything throughout history. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a couple things. One is you said the thing about the ice, but the, I meant not necessarily just the ice. The temperature has risen more rapidly than it ever has before. So not just the ice melting, but the sea level, the you know the the temperature of the ocean, temperature of the air uh, worldwide. Um, we've had the hottest years we've ever had on record. Most of them right in a row. Where? Last decade or so so it is not just the where melt. what's that worldwide like the worldwide average temperature and by how much uh i think by like i don't i don't, I don't know the figures off the top of my head but it's by it, it doesn't sound like a lot because it's like parts of a degree but it's a pretty substantial amount yeah even though it doesn't sound like it you know what i mean but i uh, what i was gonna say is People stop saying we're saving the planet because the planet is going to evolve. Even if all humans die, all animals die, everything, <laughs> the planet's going to be fine. So the reason we should care mm. if we care is for us, right? And for our, you know, how we, how we live on the earth, how we interact with the earth. So things in the Arctic will change a lot if, you know, the ice caps melt, uh, if the permafrost goes away, you know, and then obviously low Lots of land, like you were saying, we could build dikes or whatever, but you will have a lot of low land that, like Venice and Florida, places like that, it will heavily affect them. Um, you know, the fish in the oceans aren't really doing too well with a lot of the warming. Uh, like you said, there's a lot of greening going on, and that might sound like a good thing, but around South America, you know, there's a lot of algae growing out of control in the ocean. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, There's a lot of things that... Decentralized Revolution is a new podcast from the Libertarian Party Mises Caucus. Our goal is to revolutionize the LP by focusing on Austrian economics, radical political decentralization, and by supporting strong local candidates. On Decentralized Revolution, we talk about these ideas in long-form interviews with the most interesting people in the libertarian movement, 
people like Dave Smith, Scott Horton, Maj Toure, and Jacob Hornberger. If you're ready to take human action with us, check out Decentralized Revolution. Hi folks, Dan Reed here, the host of the Culinary Libertarian Podcast. During the show's tenure, I've spoken to celebrated authors of baking and economics. I've chatted with bakers and chefs and libertarians alike to introduce you to people who provide a mix of ideas to build your skills in the kitchen, as well as tempt your appetite toward liberty. Type culinarylibertarian.com slash podcasts into your browser search bar and subscribe on your favorite podcatcher. I look forward to hearing from you. Well, no, so here's a question I ask with you, because this is actually one of my soapboxes that I get on, is that not, not that I, I will even, I'm not even going to sit here and tell you that, <laughs> that the, uh, I don't think the uh, global warming is an issue. Uh, it's certainly something at the very least we need to pay attention to. Just because, why wouldn't you? Um, the thing, like, my big thing is I'm far more right. concerned about all that fucking, uh, all of that farm runoff from yeah. the, the Mississippi Delta that eventually becomes a bunch of fertilizers out in our ocean. Like, I imagine that probably can't be right. doing bad, can't be doing great <laughs> things for algae blooms the world over, dumping, right. oh, I don't know, a hundred years of, uh, right. <laughs> whatever you call it a hundred years of fertilizer in <laughs> yeah. the ocean like a regenerative 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 right. agriculture is definitely something like it would be higher on my priority list to see if people have it like i would much rather see people get rid of all their yards than frankly worry about polar bears because i think it'd do a hell of a lot more for the planet but <laughs> me yeah i mean i think it's fair to say that people have made climate change the only issue and it, uh they're willing to you know have a green new deal that would <laughs> <laughs> require ridiculous amounts of mining and deforestation and i mean i mean all these stupid things um they're willing to break all these eggs for this omelet that they don't really need necessarily and then they're not going to have any eggs left i mean i think that's kind of what you're saying and then well, the joke is, and like if you were to do everything, literally everything in the Green New Deal, which by the way would completely destroy the planet, uh, is for economically, it's also <laughs> going to do nothing yep. from a an environmental standpoint because what it would actually happen. Well, if you destroy humanity, it will the environment will you know. I mean, I guess that's true. If humanity's no longer here after us, it'll start working. Uh, in the meantime, it will actually do nothing to curb the amount of CO2 that goes into the air. It doesn't change shit. Like, warming will still happen. See, my, my thing is, like, when you look at, like, the global warming, when you look at all these things that we, we pin on climate change, and, and I feel like this is just uh, the same thing with, with all science that we look at today, and we're like, oh, this is the problem. Like, we don't know the problem necessarily. Like, we pin it on this thing because it's something that we can pin it on. How many other things are there that, that humanity is doing that are just like the runoff? All the fertilizer you dump on your cow pastures down in Chile that run off into the, the, the sea, right? How many other things are there that we're doing that we're not aware of that have those little tiny effects that all add up to something else. And we, we pin it on this, this other thing that we see because it's what we latched onto. It's, it's what the science tells us uh, works. And, and we all know our science is not exactly infallible. You know, I, I don't know. <laughs> what's wrong with you? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, I could, I've been, we've been doing this a year together. I couldn't tell you what's wrong with them. Something, something. <laughs> I don't know. My wife couldn't. Don't you guys know that? Science is 
absolute truth, and if you disagree with it, then you're a fascist pig but, who hates but, women. But, I don't know if you knew that. But. I don't. Even, I don't believe in like you know. Anyway, you didn't listen to our episode. Like, what will it take for people to believe science again? Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, we're seeing it. I think we've seen the perfect exemplification of that with COVID nineteen. The idea that science is absolute truth. You know, I mean. It's changed as it's gone on. They've found out different things. Uh, and But there were people who were just latching on to the first thing we heard. This is the gold standard and you can't touch it. And then it changed suddenly. Oh, no, no. Okay, this is absolute. You know, it's like, all right, maybe you don't <laughs> really know what's absolute about this. And maybe you should think about that with uh, when you think about science in general, that you don't know 100%. <laughs> I just look at the numbers. I don't even need the science when I've got the math. How do you, how do you, here's the, 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 the real question. How do you convince people that that's the case, right? That like, here's this whole COVID-19 thing. Here's all the numbers. Nobody knew what the hell was going on. How do, how do you convince people of that? Because like, you know, when, when you spell it out, when you paint it on the wall and, and people just don't get it, how do you get them to, to, to understand, you know? That's, see, that's a problem. I mean, in regards to that, people have been right since the beginning and they've been told to shut up. They're wrong, and the further things go on, the more right they get. Because they're not, they're 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 not like you know government scientists, or, or maybe they are, and they just got like you know way laid out. I don't know, but I, I, I don't know. I, I, I it the COVID nineteen thing has seriously disturbed me. When you look through history, the uh, scientists who were, were making headway were not the institutionalist scientists. The institutionalist scientists mm-hmm. always hated them, right? Like a lot of them worked with the church and they hated, you know, any ideas about like Galileo had or uh, Copernicus had, you know, like there was, was heresy. Yeah. They, they got, they got, they got killed for it, man. Let's point out the atheists sticking up for the church scientists, folks. <laughs> <laughs> well, Hey, I, I respect Christians who are not uh, cultists, you know, who have their own, uh, their own independent thoughts. So, oh man, JD, JW Weatherman was going, he goes hard on that like anti-atheist thing, and I'm like, <sighs> I think too many too many Antifa members claiming to be atheists when when they have their they have a religion. It's just not you know God. Well, I think atheism has become a religion in the sense of in the same way that like oh, you know sort yeah. of yeah. <laughs> you know Islam and the infidels and and evangelism and like you know. Well, listen here, Christian, you're outnumbered today. I, no, I'm just I'm whatever, man. Well, let me define. Let me define atheism. Atheism, I mean it like the original term. I mean, because there has become like this anti-religion religion. That's kind of, yeah. Well, that, and that's what yeah. I mean. That's what I mean. When it, when it becomes a religion in and of itself, like it's, you, you're doing the same thing that like you yeah. were mad at people for, you know, like it's, it's the same thing, you know? Right. Um, oh, and I forever, I forever like just look down on any atheist that is just as dogmatic and, um, you know, mm-hmm. right. as much a charlatan as half the Christians I know. But I will say, technically, yeah. I, I do follow the the atheist as being an anti-theist. Like, I really think that it is a an archaic way of thinking that hopefully the, the entirety of humanity will move past at some point. But in the meantime, if it helps you find value. Got to get, get past global warming first. <laughs> Got to get past global warming first, right? <laughs> so what are, I know I asked you a little bit of this Um uh, when I was talking to you, but what are the things that really get you fired up personally? You know, you, you, you mentioned your trip up to Alaska. I mean, I'm sorry, seeing, seeing 
any of that like Vermonters. I'm going to say it's Vermonters. <laughs> you, you want to blame everything on Vermonters? Vermonsters. I you know no no like like we're both Nikki and I are both from like upstate New York, you know, western New York, or like like the sticks in New York. And like I lived in Vermont for a few years and like I I I I, I hate what is going on in New England. I hate it because New England is beautiful, man. And like, they just have destroyed it. it. It's just been destroyed and turned into this like, hey, let's compete with California. Like, you mean let's stupidity. Cut the, you mean let's cut the top of a mountain off for fucking wind power that we're never going to make because it doesn't work? Oh, God. I, I could tell you a story. Like, uh, yeah, we'll get into it one day about like solar solar farms in, in, in Vermont. But yeah. Dude, I'm just thinking back to like some of those scenes that you watched in, uh, in planet of the humans. And it's just like, Oh my God, yeah. how can anyone defend this shit? Just what that, what that's done to, you don't think about it. People, you don't think people don't think there's no thinking involved anymore. It's what am I told? Well, it's, it's, no thinking. it's cause a lot of shit's in remote places and people don't go to remote places. They just like to see the pretty pictures of them. Uh, they, they visit, they visit, they, they vacation to remote places. Some people do. And I think that some people are the ones that are starting to change their minds or the, why we have the Schellenbergers and why you're getting, you know, the planet of the humans. And uh, it's, it's because I think those people are really like, Oh shit, we've been backing the wrong horse on this. Don't back a horse. It's your first problem. So what are your issues, Reed? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you mean environmentally? Is yeah. That what you're yeah. Talking about, or? We'll, we'll keep yeah, it on yeah. format here. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that could be a long conversation. Um, it's like I don't like women. Yeah, so blacks, uh, work, children. <laughs> oh boy. Oh man. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh, working in the power delivery industry, I saw the stupidity of more regulations that don't necessarily do anything to save the environment. So um, the first really big example is, uh, you know, working in the swamps. We used to just have to place these wooden mats out in the swamps so that our machines wouldn't sink into the <laughs> peat. Uh, you know, so it'd just be like a platform we could work off of. But then the definition of wetland kept getting expanded more and more and more. So suddenly we were putting mats on dry ground, you know, for literally miles sometimes. Like there was one job, it's probably like, I don't know, five miles of mats just laid out. Sometimes we'd have to rent them and we'd just get tractor trailer load after tractor trailer load coming in. And so what you have now is you have to pay for all that extra um, work, first of all, but then you're also trucking all these loads of mats in and then you have to have a machine that lays all of them out and they're, I think they're 16 feet long, you know, so 16 feet wide uh, and then they're, they're four feet by 16 feet and they just get laid down in the swamp. So they sit there for a few weeks. They kill everything that's under them. <laughs> and then... Uh, kill everything underneath it, right? Yeah, so they they don't really stop from tearing up the ground because a lot of the times when you're going out, you, you can't be on one side of the mat all the time, so you have to drive over it anyway. So it's all this wasted... I was going to say, you're pulling tractor trailers out just to dump those things out there. <laughs> you're just doing some damage. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So you've just burned a ton of fuel and you've just killed a ton of plants. And, Shh. you know, back in the old days, we... Stop saying that. <laughs> back in the old days, we'd just drive in and drive out 
And if it's in a swamp in New Hampshire, you know, usually after a few months, you can't even tell we were there anymore. And it kind of fixes itself. So that was my first uh, run in with the government trying to save the environment <laughs> uh, and realizing that most of the time it does the opposite. Um, we had this, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the Northern Path. It was this power line project that was supposed to happen in New Hampshire. Um, but up in Quebec, they have these hydro dams that run like 500% the amount of power that Quebec needs. So we had, we'd cut a deal with Hydro Quebec that we'd run high voltage lines up there. We could power all of New Hampshire, you know, I think all of Mass and Connecticut, and then even like some places in New York, maybe. And these dams already exist. They're already producing power. And the, a bunch of environmentalists shot it down because we'd have to cut down eight <laughs> miles of trees. Instead, they want to put solar fields and, you know, wind farms, but we don't even have all that infrastructure. Trees, you have to cut. And how many, how many square feet, feet of space are they going to cut down for those? No shit, but we don't even have that infrastructure so we we went back to we went back to burning coal again because we had this big coal plant we had shut down in preparation for running these lines and then northern pass got cut out so we just started burning coal again and you'd burn like a three acre pile of coal every couple days and you'd have a train trucking it you know bringing it in and our wood chip plant started firing back up again um and so there you go, environmentalists. You just saved the planet. <laughs> so I uh, just witnessing all of this made me realize that the uh, I, I got to say, say the left because those were mostly left wing movements in New Hampshire pushing all that stuff. They're their own worst enemy a lot of the time, and it honestly made me wonder if they really care about the environment or if they're just using it as a catalyst to gain more government control. You know, because I think there are a lot of left leaning people who do care about the environment but i also think there are people who just want to use it as an opportunity to grab more control and lots of useful idiots out there bro <laughs> yeah totally <laughs> um so yeah that, that's what really irks me is when there's a political stunt which like you guys were mentioning wind power i look at that as a huge political stunt uh that doesn't do anything to help but people just gobble it up and if you say that you're like Copernicus you know people uh, you're like oh how dare you you know <laughs> that's that's heresy you know how dare you mm -hmm. question the science it's like well you can actually do your own research and look at, at the numbers <laughs> and uh, you know that used to be what science was but I guess it's not anymore so look science is a process not a thing to be listened to I, I love a freaking wetland man right they, they, wetlands are like the bane of, of the world's existence. Well, politically you know? speaking. Yes. Well, yeah. Like, like what are they, you know? And it changes every year. And you know what? If there's like a puddle on there in June, eh, it's going to be a wetland. The wetland. Depends on what state you live in, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's, it is, it's absurd. And like, you're, you're not the first person to, to say that. Like I've experienced it, you know, not to that degree, but like, yeah. it is, it's wild. It's crazy. And, and. Like, I remember I, I did an internship in high school with the uh, soil and water department in uh, my county. We would go out and like walk through people's like cow fields and, and 
mark like where this seasonal stream was and that like would become a wetland. And it's just, you know, at the time it was cool. And now I look back and I'm like thinking like, what, what happened to that dude's field? You know, like what happened to, to all of that? You know, and it's, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. And I, well, he's not, he's not going to get to decide what happens on it for the rest of time. That's what we know for sure. <laughs> right. And, and it's, it's crazy unless, unless he can pay for somebody to buy it, you know, like, like build a wetland somewhere else, you know? Yeah. So I'm a, uh... I mean, I, I, I think there should be some basic regulations, but they should be extremely simple and plain. You know, like you should not be allowed to dump coal sludge in a river, but a river should be clearly defined. You know, that's the problem with all these rules is the definitions just get expanded into ridiculous, uh, you yeah. know, ridiculous um, measures. So, so a, a river is like you said, you know, a yeah, parking lot with a puddle in it, <laughs> and um, so I don't know. I mean, it, a river, it's, it's a it's a slippery slope because once you give them, <laughs> yeah, once you give them that power to regulate something, then they just they always abuse it. So it's hard knowing where that line is. I would argue we can't have regulation for the exact thing that you just said. And said, well, throughout history, and this is all of history, they've shown that we. We can't do that because if you give them the regulations, well, then they're going to interpret them and then they're going to know where the bar is set. So someone's going to lobby to make sure they're just under the bar so they can break the rules, break the spirit yeah, right. of the arrangement. But you, you lose your recourse. We can't sue them because, well, we're within our legal rights to do this. You know, at the end of the day, like, right. I, as I tell a friend, it's like, you know, I think that the government, the likelihood of the government stopping anyone from doing anything is uh, a lot less likely than me just owning the land and never letting them start doing something. It depends. It depends how, how mad you've made the government. If, you, if you've really pissed yeah. on their, their boot, like they'll make sure you don't do anything. Well, yeah, but that's not how it works because business isn't pissing on their boot. They're paying the boots. They're buying them nicer boots. <laughs> We're the ones pissing on their boots by trying to yes, tell them ex- no. Exactly. <laughs> and by not giving them their, their, their stipend. Mm-hmm. Uh, continue, continue, Reed. What was your question there? <laughs> well, my problem is uh you know i i really agree with that sentiment but uh and maybe you guys know a lot more about this than i do but it seems like since the um the environmental protection agency has been instated that you know things have gotten drastically better from before it existed and there are they really go to great pains to make you think that don't they uh honestly you look at the clean water act you look at the clean air act they jumped in front of something that was already happening because guess what? People don't want their fucking skies black and they don't want their water to be you know, toxic. Um, in fact, if you actually look at the history of what they, both of those things were doing prior to those things being added, they actually slowed the trajectory down. Like it was actually increasing at a better rate prior to those things being created. And then lo and behold, government steps in, takes credit for what's been already happening. And then <laughs> it then allows for the carve outs. Um, uh, and that that's that's it i think it, it's the the car outs it's the licensing it's the okay ge you can go dump this in the hudson river you know like whereas before you know people people figured it out and and you know you didn't want that stuff in there but now they're protected you know now ge is protected we covered that one article where they're where basically they're allowing them to dump salt water from fracking into like actual habitats just because well well you know we, we like the money, so we're just going to allow this. 
you know, things like that that they just they just sign off on because yeah. it's you know economically advantageous. Now, don't get me wrong. Maybe people would make that decision, but maybe they wouldn't. Well, we don't have a choice to stand in the way. You know, where the the left doesn't get to lobby against that. You know, one of the other things that you know that I always um, bring up in this regard is you know you want to look at what the EPA is really good at. Go and look at all. Look, go and look up at Superfund sites, and then think to yourself what private entity would allow property to go to waste like that. They'd go in immediately and fix it up so they can do something with yeah. it and sell it. Instead, some of those places have been there what fifty years. Nothing's ever happened to it. It gets the problem magnifies, leaches out into other areas, and they won't let anyone else touch the property to do anything with it because you know we got to protect it. I, I remember when I when I was a kid growing up, there was a gas station, and I think it was in New York. And I think at some point they passed some new laws about old old gas tanks in the ground and people had to pull them up and, you know, like, like old convenience store type things. And, uh, it, it basically put this one place out of business, you know, and, um, they just deteriorated. They went out of business and, and it, the lot was left there. It was a corner lot. Nobody wanted it because, you know, all the cleanup was there. Eventually, I don't know, 10 years later, maybe somebody bought it and they cleaned it up, you know, and it became this little part of town that, you know, now it's this, really nice new house. And, you know, it's just, it was, that's sort of the way I think it, it kind of works and it can work and it, and it will work, you know, like somebody's going to want that eventually. It just needed the developer with enough money that he could, you know. Yeah, exactly. Right. You just need somebody that will actually come in and say, I'm going to clean. Now, if those laws weren't there that said you had to clean this tank out and that company, that little convenient store still went out of business, like, who knows? Maybe somebody else would have come and picked it up, and you know the cleanup might not have been the same. You might not have scrubbed out those underground tanks, like. Because what I imagine probably happened was that that developer went in there, and that nice, nice neighborhood you're talking about that was put there was probably part of a big development that uh, you know someone paid a lot of money to get that waived. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, don't bother us about this. We're going to bring more more taxpayers into your your district, as opposed to that one business owner. Could have been. Could have been. Yeah. It could have been. It, it, it's it's shady. It's shady any way you cut it, and I, I just don't trust any of it. I mean, that's a narrative that <laughs> that's a story I'm telling. It seems just as fucking plausible as what they try and tell you is a thing. Mm-hmm. So, um, well, we're right up on time here. Reed, anything else you want to get out while you're here? Yeah, I mean, uh, if you guys, if anyone who listens to this wants to follow me on Twitter or YouTube, it's pretty easy to find me. I'm the only naturalist capitalist out there it's not a very common username so <laughs> i'm changing my my twitter tonight just because of that i'm changing my twitter tonight there you go he's gonna be a real naturalist capitalist <laughs> and it's gonna be a, a real naturalist capitalist <laughs> if you know any socialists we should send them your way too right you can't find any socialists that'll come on on your show it's just gonna be a smidgen if you want the whole picture you gotta pay me for it his only fans you can find it, the real naturalist capitalist. Yes, only fans. I will, I will get it. <laughs> um, I just wanted to clarify. I might have sounded a little bit like a uh, like I I don't know that, that I didn't think the markets were the best way for um, green energy or you know renewable energy that's actually good or you know nuclear energy expanding or whatever. But I I do think that the market is the best way forward. I just, uh, I think, you know, the government might have a very limited role in protecting certain lands. Um, but the problem is they always abuse whatever power you give them. So you got to be really careful about what you let them regulate. So 
Yeah. <laughs> no need to apologize, man. Um, you, you just happen to end, you just happen to end up on a podcast with a bunch of anarchists. We we realize we're way off we're way off the reservation here. Yeah. I'm I'm actually I'd like to get more people like you. Yeah. That you're probably sane because you know we can talk to other anarchists. I, I, we really uh-huh. need to reach the half the halfway there people. Yeah. Well, no, I mean I I I'm usually the anarchist like one in the group, so it's nice being the <laughs> it's weird being the most statist person on the show. So. <laughs> You you want you want you want to hear the crazy shit? Go back and listen to us talking about Elizabeth Warren's Blue New Deal. That's some comedy goal there. But I I, I will <laughs> say I think the um, two two hangups with with anarchism not not necessarily hangups um, things that I've I've it, it took some time to process through um, and I think the environment was was one of them and and the other that I'm always wrangling um, in my my brain is is like child welfare and how you you work that. Not that the government does a good job at that anyway, um, but what what kind of system would actually be useful for that? Um, and if anybody knows, please email me um, and, and let's have that conversation. Kids slip through the cracks now. Exactly. And the police will stop you from showing up on somebody else's property with an AK-47 and taking the kid if you think it's been done bad. I, I see that working out differently in an anarchist society. <laughs> exactly. Well, I know, I know, I know, and and there and there's, but the, and those are those are the things though, right? Like, and and for me, that was it. And and talking through a lot of this environmentalism type stuff. Um, Look, Ben, I just told you that the government is protecting people that are hurting their kids. That's all you need to know. What are you gonna do? <laughs> government will hurt your kids if they take them anyway. Show up with the AK forty seven, right? Yeah. Well, hey, you know, let the government take your kids and see how hurt they get. You know. <sighs> Ben Ben is a a foster parent, so he's uh, seen a lot of stuff. He knows that system a little too well. Yeah. Ah, okay. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Just just airing out all the laundry there, Ben. I I need to do some laundry. I I think I've worn this shirt for a week straight now. That shirt looks like surprisingly like, it looks like it's uh, either really way too warm or incredibly breathing. Oh, it's super lightweight. If you could see right now, like I mean, this this shirt is sheer. Like, to, like I can't wear it to church because it like turns all the ladies on. It's just like mm. he's like, I'm just cutting glass, just fucking. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's just not not happening. No, it's like it's like my work shirt. It, you know, it blocks the sun because down here in Georgia, like your skin will melt, and uh, you know, it's it's airy and breathable. I'm telling you, Ben, that is not blocking the sun. It's probably not, but I feel better about it. So leave me alone, huh? Okay. All right, folks. Well, that is a that has been another episode of Free Markets Green Earth, episode number fifty six to be precise. We'd like to thank Reed Coverdale, the naturalist capitalist, for coming on. And if you want to read about the interview or learn more about Reed, you can head over to freemarketsgreenearth.com and you can find that out. So you have a good one. What's it, what's what's your what's your uh, not not yet not yet. Because he told us what he does, but he did not tell us where to go. We said a naturalist capitalist on YouTube, bro. Where were you? I guess. I guess. Fine. Fine. <laughs> I'll, say it. I'll say it again for anyone who missed. Yeah, the naturalist capitalist on YouTube and then on Twitter. It's All right. My, my uh, username is the naturalist capitalist, but it's at Reed Coverdale. So. I forgot YouTube was like a big pain in the backside about that. Never mind. I've never mind. really been never trying mind. to hammer home his actual like handle. What kind of professional are you? You don't have a website. I'm gonna go buy it. I'm gonna. I'm. I'm go go, I'm go to like GeoCities and like you know get something set <laughs> yeah. up on like AngelFire or something. You Fuck know? that. Just just go 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 to Namecheap. <laughs> yeah, sure. My fucking uh, naturalistcapitalist.com and direct it to your YouTube page. Whatever.
job done. It is a. I think it's an original name. I can't find it anywhere else for anything. You're gonna have to pay me for it after this because I'm gonna go and buy it. <laughs> so maybe if you can be faster <laughs> on Google than I am. <laughs> Anyways. <sighs> well, how, how does it, what does an anarchist think about copyright? Oh, I hate all of it. <laughs> all that anyway. If you want to uh, pay me for it, it's yours. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, registering something, that's not copyright. That is simply just registering a use of something. You can't have both of us having the site because then it wouldn't work. So that's a, it's a functional thing. All right. So, all right, folks, you all have a good one. Thanks for hanging out. podcast is a proud creation of the Mad Audio Lab. For more information, check out madaudiolab.com. Free Market's Green Earth is part of the Liberty Hippie Podcast Network. If you like what we do, be sure to check out Homesteads and Homeschools, Peace Freaks, Cannabis Heals Me, and This Week in Liberpods. We're living proof that libertarian doesn't mean washed up Republican.